My name is David Birnbaum. Welcome to The Safe Space. This is a quick meta intro to just apologize for some low audio quality that you're about to hear. I've corrected it in future episodes, but I was not able to capture as eloquently my goal for this project, so I decided to keep it in for this episode. So without further ado, my actual intro. My name is David Birnbaum. Welcome to The Safe Space. My goal with The Safe Space is to take back the meaning of safe space. There's a lot of false notions out there that a safe space is somewhere where you can go to run away from people who disagree with you. What I want to create with this safe space is what I actually have with many of my friends and family. A place where two or more people can come together and have an open and honest conversation about the things important to them and the things they're thinking about. Because if we can't have safe spaces to explore our thoughts, our emotions, and our values, there's no way to grow as people. And if we can't grow as people, we can't grow and advance as a society. And I think not being able to have those conversations in these safe spaces is at the core of many of today's issues. So this is my safe space. This is where any and all of you are invited to come and engage with me and talk about what we care about, what you care about, what matters to us. So I encourage you to have an active mind, to be able and willing to have your views questioned, but to question your own as well. I hope you'll enjoy and that one day you'll join me in creating your own safe spaces. I'm very excited for today's episode, where my guest is Jenny Dong. Jenny is a friend of mine from Waterloo Engineering, who, while getting her engineering degree, was also a model. Jenny and I talk very rationally and objectively about what it's like to be a model in the modeling industry. We also discuss what it's like to not be a stereotypical-looking model, and how you can be in that industry and maintain your self-esteem. Jenny is a really insightful person, and I'm very grateful she was willing to come on and talk to me about these things, and talk to me about a profession that I think many people have a hard time talking about openly and honestly. I really enjoyed the conversation, and I think you will too. Hi, uh, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it. Of course, it's definitely a long time coming. <laughs> yeah, so I'm... Uh, I'm interested in two key areas about your experience joining the modeling world um, and, you know, feel free to answer them together or separate, but I'm wondering both how it affected you because, you know, you're joining this world, there's a lot of very attractive women around you and, you know, you often hear of in, in many fields, imposter syndrome and issues with self-esteem generally. And I'm wondering how that uh, was if, if that was something you had to deal with when you were entering this field. And then also I'm wondering about if that was the case kind of broadly in the culture, let's say, and, and what the actual dynamics of the modeling world are. Because, you know, I don't really know, but the impressions I get is it's quite, it would be quite toxic, right? Like that's the impression of the, the field as such. As such. Right. Um, so to answer the first question, like, how did I, how did it impact, like, sort of my self-esteem and, um, whether or not I felt imposter syndrome going into it? Um, so at the beginning, when I was trying to, uh, find an agency to represent me, um, it was definitely a bit hard because I'd go to their websites and, um, you know, obviously, like you said, there's a lot of beautiful women, 
um, with like either really, really nice features or eccentric features that make them stick out and have like kind of that model look. Um, and obviously I don't think that I have that. I still don't believe that either. Um, and so it was really hard like justifying to myself that yes, I can go to these people and they'll say yes to me, which ended up not being the case anyways. Um, and the few that did definitely had, I feel malicious intent um which is unfortunately uh, a huge thing i think in the industry um and so that kind of that kind of i guess negatively impacted me at the start um and it got worse when i actually had the guts to go to the agency and have them tell me like no you're too short or we're not really looking for your type um which was like even more discouraging because when i went to a lot of agency websites it was like you know, you're cut and clean, sort of, not to say that it's bad, but there was a lot more um, white female representation than there was, like, of any other ethnic ethnicity, I think, um, which is, I don't know, maybe maybe it's just um, a Western thing, but I think even in um, Asia's next, next Top Model, like the TV show, they've started to bend a lot more Eurasian than full-on Asian. Um, and so all of that was kind of discouraging, I guess, because it was like, you're not, not only are you not pretty, you're also not really a model. And that's kind of the vibe that I got. Uh, fortunately, I managed to break this into like a very objective view, I think, for myself. And so um, instead of taking everything personally, it was just like, maybe I, I'm not tall enough, right? Like a lot of the uh, things that designers make are for much taller people. Um, like I've been to shows where they're like, okay, we need a girl who's at least six feet. <laughs> it's like normally, you know, that's a freak in uh, in the shopping center or something, right? But on the runway, that's what they need to really carry the dress. And so at that point it was like, it, to me, it was kind of, um, you might remember this, but like going through Waterloo Works and saying like, oh, we need C++ as a skill. And I'm like, well, I don't have that. so. I mean, I'm no, I'm no more offended by it. It just so happens that it's something that I'm born with. <laughs> um, but I think taking things objectively really helped um, defend self-esteem. Um, and that kind of, I think um, it, it worked for a while and then it came back to bite me when I realized that a lot of people weren't exactly honest about, um, about certain things. So sometimes, uh, at the shows that I was at, uh, the designers would be like, okay, I need someone who's 5'10", right? Uh, or I need someone who has a bust of like 32, 25, 34. Those are the measurements they needed, just like arbitrarily. And there were some girls who were wearing heels at the time. And so they would be like, oh, I'm 5'10". But then afterwards, I'd like stand beside them. I'm like, wait a minute, you're shorter than me. <laughs> and I'm 5'8". And so I'm like, how is that like they're just lying or like not knowing any better i guess um and so in that way my honesty i think got in the way of things um and i mean at the end of the day they got the dress right which is which is kind of what matters um and i guess the designer in some way didn't need a girl who's 510 she just needed a girl who could wear heels and be 510 right Right. Um, on the other hand, a lot of people frown upon that. And so I think it really depends on kind of what tier you're at. 
Uh, I don't think I was at the um, Kendall Jenner tier, so there isn't as much scrutiny as there normally would be. Um, but long story short, it did impact my self-esteem. I did feel really out of it uh, for a long time, even more so because, you know, I have uh, my academic background is engineering. And so it was, it was really hard, like trying to connect to people, um, not only on like life topics, but also I think just my uh, social interaction like behavior is fundamentally different. Um, and so, yeah, that, that like definitely, um, uh, yeah, it felt weird. And I think it still does, which is why I don't feel like I can get any more out of it, uh, which is why I've kind of stepped out of it. Um, yeah, just talking to people was hard. Um, being judged in some way was also difficult. And it was just, yeah, it was a very, very different group of people. Yeah, um, and so I want to ask about that aspect in particular because, you know, I appreciate you sharing that, you know, it did impact your self-esteem, but you seemed to be able to handle it quite objectively and understand, you know, what the, what it actually means. And and that's kind mm-hmm. of the industry as such. But then, yeah, you're going into a, a group of many people who, mm-hmm. you know, have certain views and also might not be able to, handle their own self-esteem as well as you had. Um, so right. what was the, uh, you know, I think it's important to talk about, but let's say aside from the, you're an engineer and maybe they're not, but yeah. um, from that other aspect, um, what what is the kind of environment and community like? Um, I think, um, I don't want to say that it's it's toxic because I feel like it's really what you make out of it, um, as with any situation. So, and I, I guess I feel that way because even with um, Waterloo Engineering, for example, a lot of people are like, oh, this co-op to school thing is really hard on me and I can't handle it. Like, it's a lot of stress, right? Which is true. Um, but on the other hand, I know a lot of people who took took it in strife, right? And, and, and we're able to get a lot out of it. Um, so similarly, in this environment, I think, I guess, um, now I can only speak to what I did, I guess. Um, I think oftentimes the, the struggle that I get when trying to reach out to people in engineering is usually like they're withdrawn or, um, or, or they are really helpful. Um, whereas with, when I did my modeling gigs, it was like, they only answered as much as you ask them. There was never any more give than that. Um, and again, I was, don't know if it, Oh, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Do you think it was like a defensiveness because it's like, let's say you're a competitor or was it more just kind of that's the type of person they were that they didn't offer up, let's call it deep ideas about the world or something. Right. Um, I think maybe this is, maybe this is just my mindset, but when it was within models, um, there was a lot of sharing, like what, what we did, you know, in our normal lives. Cause a lot of people don't do it full time. Right. Um, but there wasn't as much, actually pertaining to the industry. So I guess kind of in the same way uh, how 
back in co-op, people wouldn't really tell you like, oh, I got this interview or, um, or this employer is hiring, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so in that way, I guess it's because of competition. It's like, they don't want you to know. And then when it came to like makeup artists, stylists or photographers, um, I feel like, I feel like part of the reluctance is because of uh, the value I bring as a model. Um, again, going back to this idea of like, I don't really have a model face. A lot of people I've worked with don't know how to deal with an Asian complexion. Um, and so me trying to reach out to them is kind of like, I, I feel like um, it would require them to put out a lot more. Um, and it just wasn't a collaboration that they wanted to have in some way. That, that was the mm -hmm. feeling I got um, oftentimes when I started to move into that into that sort of conversation mm -hmm. um yeah just a lot of a lot of reluctance there and there's there's um there's an interesting thing of like i don't know how much you use instagram but you know how there's like the follow for follow concept it's like usually you know if you've interacted yeah. with someone right return the follow um <laughs> there's like this interesting dance of i'll follow you and the expectation is that you'll follow me back but it never really happens and it and it has happened incredibly consistently um, whenever I add people like in the industry, which is which is kind of like someone, if, if you can imagine like Instagram to me uh, conceptually is kind of like the LinkedIn for the modeling industry. It's like, this is where you see people's work. This is where you interact with them, where you coordinate things. Um, and if you can imagine LinkedIn having a thing where like you can connect with them, but they won't connect with you back, it's kind of like a weird power imbalance in that way. Um, and being in being an Asian model in that space definitely made me feel like super disadvantaged and not really well valued. Um, mm -hmm. But again, I tried to take it objectively because it's like I don't have the things I want. Whatever, it's fine. You know. No, I think that's. I mean it's, I suppose, the best way to view it uh, for yourself. Yeah. So I think that's good. Um, I'm interested, you know, the word that comes to my mind is I'm wondering if you felt isolated, because you said as well that the model, you didn't really talk about the industry to the other models. And so you're, you're noticing these trends, you're noticing these things. Did you have people you could talk to about that who understood it? Because I imagine many people outside of the modeling world wouldn't really understand the dynamics of it. Like even, oh, you, you don't, you're upset because someone didn't follow you back on Instagram, right? And not understanding that it's a professional right. connection. Um, so what, mm -hmm. yeah, what kind of support system is there within the, the profession? Um, I don't think there really is one. Um, I don't know if it's because I only dipped like maybe half my foot in it. And so I didn't really have as many deeper connections, but there were um, certain people that I got along with and I was able to talk to them about it. I think for the most part though, there's a lot of like voodoo around um, discussing this because in some way it's bad mouthing uh, people in that way. So for example, with agencies, um, you're not really supposed to talk about, you know, your interactions with them, I think. And so when you bring it up to someone else, it's kind of like on the down low, this is my interaction. Um, like steer so, clear of these guys, but you have to like whisper it. Kind of. Yeah. That, that's the feeling I get. Um, 
And like, even now I feel like it's, it would, if I was still in the space, it would be really disadvantageous for me to speak out against it because then it's like, well, they know more people than I do. And if someone else sees you bad mouthing this, what's to say that you're not going to do that for them. And when a lot of, um, the gigs that you get are from like word of mouth or from, you know, the, the agencies, the higher ups, then it's like you lose out on opportunity because of that. Right. And so there's no real, um, there's no real, I guess, incentive for you to speak out because then other people will know. Right. Um, right. And so then it's like, and who's going to be the first and does it da damage or completely kill their career and these exactly. sorts of things. Exactly. Yeah. Which I think um, now that I think about it is, is why it's so, it speaks so much more to the bravery of the women who did come out against like Harvey Weinstein, for example, um, because they do put a lot on the line, right? It's, it's their career, it's their reputation. Um, and like when the guy is such a significant figure in the field, you also cut out a lot of other people. Um, so yeah, risking your clout, I guess, is, is a good way of thinking of it. And, yeah. and that's the only thing you need, it's hard. Is the industry still largely men, like in the agencies and I guess the kind of power players? Because, you know, this, what you're telling me about the modeling industry, it sounds not right in, in, sense, in the sense of good, but right in sense of that makes sense that this is how the industry would be. Um, and there's mm -hmm. this idea, at least, that, you know, it's the powerful people it's the same way you hear like, oh, when an employer doesn't want you to share your salary, it's because then yeah. they can, you know, control people better. Um, exactly. Yeah. Is that kind of the feeling? And I'm also interested, does it still seem to be largely kind of, let's say, run by men? Um, I don't think so. Um, I definitely see more women in the industry than I do in engineering, right? Uh, like mm -hmm. I've seen female producers, obviously stylists, I've seen both female and male, um, art direction, photographers, like there's there's a pretty good divide, I think. Um, models, I've definitely seen more females, um, but I don't think that males are so scarce that I, I'd say that, that they just aren't there. They are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, do you do you have an idea of, you know, from talking to male models, is there half of the industry, let's call it, similar in tone, in vibe, or is it a different feeling altogether? Um, I actually haven't really talked to male models. Okay. Yeah, I haven't really. So. Um, one thing I want to kind of ask about, because it's something I've struggled with, you know, for my, my personal life, um, mm -hmm. very much you know, I felt like I was kind of raised by pop culture. And so I have very kind of stereotypical views of what an attractive female is. And it's very mm -hmm. much the standard Jessica Alba type, right? right? And I'm interested because it seems difficult to have an honest conversation about kind of beauty standards. And the pushback is that, no, every woman is beautiful. And yes, there's every woman is like, they have to accept themselves and these sorts of things, but it seems that there are beauty standards for a reason, right? Like these do mm -hmm. exist for some reason. And I'm interested hearing your thoughts on it um, because you've, you, you mentioned how you're, you went into an industry and, and you were not the cookie cutter 
uh, Jessica Alba type, right? But yeah, so I'm just really interested in hearing your thoughts uh, on that. Um, so I think the, uh, and this is going to be terribly not politically correct, <laughs> but I think with the same objective approach, um, a lot of the requirements for a model occur, I think, more because the designer, like it's it's almost easier for the designer, right? Because if you think about it, when you make, um, when you make like a shirt, uh, obviously to reduce costs, you want to use as little fabric as possible, right? And so you want a smaller frame, right? And then not only that, if you think of it as like, um, in, in terms of constraints, if you know exactly where the fabric will fall, then you know how it will look. And so if you have someone with a larger bust, then then you design it for that, right? If you have someone with a smaller bust, then like they'll definitely wiggle into it and you have a better idea of how it might fall. And so for me, I think, I think a really, um, maybe a really vivid analogy might be when I put on like a bodycon dress, for example, I see exactly where my fat is, right? Um, and I don't think I'm very fat. And like, I like there's, but you see where it goes um, and it varies from person to person. So if the model doesn't have fat, then you don't have to account for those extra like placements, <laughs> if you will. And so that's why, um, it's easier to design for a really skinny person of exact measurements, which is why for a lot of, um, for a lot of like the, the more elite agencies, they have like, you have to be at least five, eight and a half. Your like bust, the ratios of your, of your like bust, waist and hip have to be within a certain uh, threshold. Right. Um, which is why even with like plus size models, there's a very, there, there is a definition I think of how they look. Um, so, which is, which is ironic, I think. Um, but yeah, I guess I, I agree that it's kind of shitty that there is like this ideal female beauty standard. Um, but the way I kind of come to peace with it is there's a reason for it. Um, because I mean, I don't think people purposely try to exclude other people because, you know, that's. I mean, as artists, I feel like that's that's not what you live to do. Um, it's more of just <laughs> industry constraints. Yeah, well, that's really interesting because I'd never even considered or heard of like let's call it a, an argument from utility. Like there are actual right. reasons why this would be the case, and that's really actually quite fascinating to me. Um, mm -hmm. You know. But I expect there's still people who'd push back against that and say, well, yeah. it's such a negative thing. We have to change the industry. And that's kind of where the feud might come about, both mm -hmm. that only highlighting this type of woman is damaging to women and I'd argue damaging to men as well. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And. But but then I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm interpreting that you were, let's call it in the heart of it, but you could still understand why that doesn't impact your self-esteem and your self-image. So yeah. how do we kind of, and not that I think you and I can solve this massive problem, but I'm interested yeah. to know how you think like that balance can sort of be struck. Um, I think it, I think in some ways it already is. Um, 
there's, you know, obviously they are designing for plus size models now, which is fantastic. I think it, and just the, um, the fact that it's getting brought to light in my mind means that a lot more people are thinking about it. Um, obviously this doesn't mean that they're doing anything about it, <laughs> but at least it's more aware. Um, and I think honestly, I, I don't really know. Cause when I, when I came into the industry, um, a lot of what my mom told me was like, as a model, you're not there as a human. You're there as like a, a skeleton. You're there as a rack, right? You're not demonstrating yourself. You're demonstrating the clothes. Um, and so when I think of it that way, it's like asking me, you know, let's design this clothes hanger a bit thicker so that the dress falls right. You know what I mean? or let's design it a bit smaller or larger and to encompass everyone who's out there. But the reality is like, like, I don't think that you can mass produce that easily. I don't think you can do it easily, which is why a lot of people haven't bent it that way yet. Right. Um, but there are a lot of uh, smaller startups who are, you know, trying to, I think, accommodate for that, which is, I mean, a lot of, a lot of change comes from small startups. Um, and like mid-sized businesses taking it on, which I think is, is happening. That, yeah. That's really cool. And again, that's another perspective that kind of like almost blows my mind because to yeah. say like, and, and this could just be the immature boy in me that's like, oh no, the women aren't showing off their clothes. They're using the clothes to show off their body. And there's this idea mm -hmm. that the modeling and, and pop culture generally is hypersexualized. And so I almost have a hard time sometimes paying attention to the clothing instead of the body. Right. right. And just as a model thinking like how it is about the clothing first and foremost, I'd again, not even consider that, but that makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. Do you, was that easy for you to kind of come to that conclusion that, you know, I'm just trying to be a service to the clothing, right. Versus right. I'm the model. Cause it seems like it would be much more, no, this is about me. I'm the model. How do I get ahead? versus right. no, no no what is the clothing what is the product and i'm helping to sell that product those are very different mindsets right right exactly um i think i i definitely struggled with it <laughs> and i don't like to be very vain i think um despite being a model i think um when like it it, it is hard because growing up obviously there's this idea of like as a female you're supposed to be pretty right and so for example when um when a designer comes in with uh, a set of like a um with like a line that's very uh plain or has a lot of a lot more muted colors versus someone who comes in with like sequins and like a really long evening gown obviously like as a as a woman, I think I would want to be like, ooh, evening gown. I want to wear that, right? Um, but like you said, that the mindset is so different because as a model, it should be like you give me something and I just work it however like it's supposed to look, right? I'm trying to I am a vehicle of the designer's um imagination. And so yeah, it definitely interferes because a lot of people 
start going into this thing of like, oh yeah, I am that small. I do fit into this dress. Let me just squeeze this in a little bit more and then I'll make it look good or I'll make myself look good. Um, so yeah, definitely hard. I don't think it's, <laughs> it's easy to separate. Yeah, no, yeah. this is this has been extremely fascinating <laughs> for me. So I appreciate it very much. Um, yeah, no problem. Do I have the impression, right, that you've decided to leave the modeling industry? And if if that's right, can you tell me a bit about kind of what went into that, the finality of that decision, or if it's not quite final yet? Um, so I never intended it for it to be a long-term thing. I think it was always just a, I'm young. I have this physique, I might as well do something with it before I lose it. Um, and so at the, at the start of, no, sorry, at the end of 2018, I was like, this is my last year in engineering. I have a relatively free schedule, so I'll just, you know, give it my best shot and see what happens. Um, and I told myself, like I set a budget, I set a timeline. And I was like, if I get something out of it, then great. If not, I don't lose anything because of it. Um, and so, I mean, it's 2020 now, <laughs> if you can even say that. And uh, and I think I did my last show in February, February-ish, March. Um, and after that, I told myself, it's really exhausting to reach out and try to find opportunities. So if things come to me, then I'll take them. But if they don't, I won't actively go and seek them. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I appreciate you sharing that and everything. Um, I'm wondering, do you have any kind of last thoughts that you want to help people to understand the industry or, you know, if maybe any young women are considering it? Yeah. Is there anything mm -hmm. else you just want to add that you feel we didn't, we didn't cover? Yeah. Um, I think the one thing that really scared me going in and coming out of it is um, the amount of predators that are in there i think there's a lot of really eccentric personalities and then there's some that are just hidden behind those personalities and you really don't know like what is what is legitimate and what isn't um and there are i mean it's so easy to prey on people in that industry because you have so many hopefuls who want to you know be a model because like you have the Jessica Alvos, you have the Kendall Jenners, and there's so like this glorious sort of aura around it. And then underneath all of that, there's a lot of shit that goes on. Um, and but it's like I think the reason why it happens more so here is because there are there's this like the the hopefulness <laughs> that comes in is really easy to take advantage of. Um, it's definitely a lot more legitimate. I would like to think. Uh, if you go up in the tiers, but a lot of hover around the bottom, like it's a very, very large base pyramid. Um, and only top bit really has their shit figured out. Um, so, I mean, like, I don't think I get pranked easily. Uh, and I definitely got into um, or treaded very closely to scams and um, just bad situations. Yeah. So when you say predator, my default assumption is sexual predation. But do you mean it in a broader term? There's also scam artists and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess I still don't truly know the legitimacy of it, but there are some agencies who would take anyone 
right? And they're like, all you have to do is give us money for like a month or a year or something, and we'll send you opportunities. And what ends up happening is either they A, don't send you opportunities at all, or B, they do, you work, and they don't give you the money, which is like, which is just so backwards, right? Um, mm. And so it's, it's really hard to find uh, real opportunities both in both in judging what is and finding them because they are so scarce compared to the uh, to the supply. Yeah, uh, that makes sense, and it's it's very unfortunate. But uh, yeah. hopefully, at least a few people will tread more carefully if they have seen your warnings. Yeah, for sure. Um, I did write an entire article on on my experience, so if you want that, it's also there. Yeah. Okay, yeah. we'll share that in the in the notes of the episode. Sure, yeah. um, so I really want to thank you. Uh, this has been very informative uh, for me and has changed like my view of a couple key things about the industry. So that's really cool as well. I find that great. So I hope uh, we can connect sometime again and do this on okay. another topic. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, David. <laughs> Thanks.